I have come to believe this, that when God speaks, he means it. That when God says something, he wants us to know what it is. Last week I preached a message that dealt with creation and working within the realm of creation. And, <clears throat> and the Lord asked me to speak, to open my mouth and speak. Now I wasn't planning on preaching what I preached last week. And again, the Lord is asking me to speak. And so I come to the pulpit this morning and I have no clue where we're going. But we're going to find out where the Lord wants us to go. But it's just burning in my heart to preach. Genesis 1.26 says this, And God said, let, make, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, you know, the birds in the sky, and over the livestock and the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God he created them male and female. He created them. Immediately when we are taught as people of the word, we are told that this is the Trinity that is God speaking to himself. And, and I had to ask myself, because you know, I, I try to read the Bible as an investigator. I try to read the Bible as trying to find out what is going on. Why did you say that? What, you know, it's, it's, it's like a mystery movie. You know, sometimes when you're watching a movie, things don't make sense. Things always don't make sense in a mystery movie. It's not like a Hallmark movie. You know those two are going to get together at the end of the show. This is a mystery movie. This is something where every detail is put in there to either throw you off or to reveal a little of the story. And then when you get to the end, it's like, wow, that's a great story. It's a great movie. And so you have this up front right away. Let us. And we are told it's the Trinity. And I, you know, I've... I, I believe it 100% it's the Trinity. And I spoke about it just a few weeks ago, how, how there is a path to understand the Trinity in the Old Testament. And we talked about the angel of the Lord and how it's the, it was this angel of the Lord that would come down. And, and it was a, it's a very interesting subject because you see God moving and God coming down upon the earth while still in heaven. And this was very hard. This was a very hard concept to understand for the Jews because they believed Deuteronomy 6 that says here says hero Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one when Moses was writing Genesis and he was pinning down what he believed the Lord was asking him to do and we know that he did it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit he wrote this verse let us God is saying God is speaking and in Hebrew, it is simply, you know that it's God, singular. You know that it's Him talking. Let us. The reason why it's uncomfortable for us to even think about something like that, the reason why it's uncomfortable for, for us to even understand this is because we don't live in their world. We don't live in their world. We weren't there when Moses wrote it. We weren't there when Paul wrote it. We weren't there in the time of the Bible. We are here now in this place where, where when, if we lack wisdom, we have Google. If we lack understanding, we have commentators and we have commentaries and we have books and we have tons of knowledge and inspiration all across this land and on the web if we need to know something. But I ask myself, 
do the people in the Bible really believe what, this, what was written? It's uncomfortable for us to think that God is actually speaking to other entities when he says, let us make mankind. It's uncomfortable because we don't live in that world. We don't live in what world is that? It's a spiritual world. You see, we live more in a spiritual world than we are comfortable with. We, we, we like some things that are spiritual. I mean, we like that the Holy Spirit lives in us. Oh, that's great. Oh, I love the Holy Spirit. It's, it's good. Uh, we, we, we really do like, you know, when we feel His presence, you know. Oh, man, it's good uh, to feel His presence. And we believe that, that we are children of God. We believe that the kingdom of God is now. We believe this. And then we start talking about Peter and an angel that comes and wakes him up. And, okay, uh, that's cool. Yeah, the angels. Yeah, I believe in angels. Okay, and then this angel comes and then they, they come to the gate that's locked and the Bible says that all by itself the gate opened up. Eh, maybe Peter had one too many cappuccinos. Maybe Peter wasn't really, maybe someone just thought it happened. But to think that God could be talking to other entities is uncomfortable. Turn with me to Psalm 82. I'm going somewhere with this. I know where I'm going, I think. Because really, do you believe what the Bible says? Psalm 82. Psalm 82. <clears throat> it says this. God presides in the great assembly and he renders judgment among the gods. God presides in the great assembly and he renders judgment among the gods. Immediately, we know something is wrong here. Because we know that God does not sit over this divine council and makes judgment amongst other gods because you know what that sounds like? That sounds like a pantheon. That sounds like, like there's other gods that are out there and, 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 you know, and, and God is just sitting there amongst the other gods. You know what it almost sounds like? Greek mythology. And, and, and you know, no, 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 no. You know, we don't ever imagine God sitting on his throne and there he is and there you got Zeus and you got Thor and you got Spider-Man. Oh, wait, no, he's, he's a newer one. You know, you, you don't see, imagine God sitting there amongst these other gods. But the Bible says that God presides in the great assembly and he renders judgment among the gods. So what do the scholars do with this verse? Man, there's too many copies to get rid of this verse. There's too many Bibles around. So, so we're going to have to explain it away. And here's what they tell you. You can go look at the commentaries. This is what they tell you. These commentaries will tell you this, that, that what God is talking about, what the, the psalmist is trying to say, is that, that God is sitting there amongst all of these religious leaders. These religious leaders that, that you know, have, have decided to not do the right thing. And so, so don't, when you read the word gods, don't, 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 don't think that you know, we're talking about other spiritual entities. No, no, no. That our God... Our God is talking about, you know, that he's amongst these rulers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's, do, let's go with that. So let's read through this chapter. 
How long will you defend the unjust and show particular to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. You religious leaders, you false teachers, you know nothing. And they understand nothing. They walk about in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are shaken. Well, obviously, we know that there's no foundations of the earth. We know that, so it can't be. This can't be true. And then verse 6, I say you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. But you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. So, so scholars would tell us that, hey, this is not talking about other spiritual entities. We're just talking here about these religious leaders, and, and we, we need to deal with it and understand because we don't believe that God sits in this divine council or this great assembly. And even in the NIV, they, they put these little quotes when they, when they mention the word God. But let me tell you something. I know Hebrew. I've studied the language. I'm not an expert in it by far, and it's been a long time since I've actually read Hebrew, like, like actually read the text and, and understood what I was reading. But I understand the rules, the grammar. I understand all that stuff. I, I walked you through different things of the Hebrew language. So I know some things, and I know this. Of all the things I know, I know this for sure. 100%. There's no quotes in Hebrew. There's no quotes in there. So when you read this, you are literally reading that God said, who sits amongst this divine council, and said, you are not, who sits among the divine of the, the spiritual entities also known as gods. Elohim, Elohim. Elohim is in this verse twice. The same word used for our God and the same word used to describe these. And later on he says in verse 6, I say, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. Would God consider these other spiritual entities as gods? So what do we do? We as scholars or as scholars in general, they want you to dumb this down. But now let's compare this to the rest of the Bible. Let's go back to Sunday school. Okay? Let's go back to the times when we would learn things in Sunday school and we would pull out those big old felt boards and we would have those things that would stick on them, you know, those felt stickers, you know. And what would we say? Okay, let's study the Ten Commandments. What's the first commandment? Well, that's a good one. But what's the first one? That's right. I know you were thinking New Testament, but thank you for going back to the old. I have no other gods before me. Now let's put this in context compared to Psalm 82. Have no other religious leaders before me. Have no other Pharisees or Sadducees or, or, or rabbis. Have no other rabbis before me. That's not what God said. He says, the first thing I want you to do, have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Now listen, every, every time you read the word Elohim, God, in, in Scripture, that is the same word that is used for angels and judges and, and ghosts and, and, you know, when Samuel came up from the dead, that, that, that it's an Elohim that's coming up. It's God that's coming up. That word God is used over and over and over again to describe not just our God, but every other spiritual entity out there. And and God says, listen, 
Don't you dare have any other Elohim before me. I am God. Now there is, listen, every, every single Elohim is some type of spiritual entity. But every other spiritual entity is never our God. He's the Most High. Why do you think he even talks about in that title, Most High? Because he's the one who reigns over what? The other gods. So if you look at this chapter in chapter 82, you see that God is sitting in this divine council over these other Elohims. We know that in Exodus, in Exodus he tells us, chapter 20, have no other gods before me. God is even recognizing, God is even telling us that don't have any other gods before him. And then in Deuteronomy, it talks about how Moses says, listen, you know, these people, you know, they worship other demons and other gods, gods that they didn't even know about, gods they didn't even hear of, and they're bowing down to these gods. All throughout Deuteronomy, you'll see Israel bowing down to gods, 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 gods. We don't live in that world. We don't live in a world that is filled with supernatural spiritual beings because why? We're civilized. We're scientificized. We're no longer spiritual people. But we are humans that are educated and smart. Did the people in the Bible really believe this? Because when we look at Psalm 82, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Matter of fact, if you read, I, I believe it's like Psalm 89, it even talks about how God is the God over the holy ones that are in the sky. They're not even around his throne. They're talking about the entities that are in the sky. Did they really believe this? Turn with me to John chapter 10. And this is my heart this morning. John chapter 10. This is Jesus. And he's speaking. And we love John 10. We have some great passages of Scripture that come from here. It tells us that He is the way, tells us that He is the gate, tells us that He's the good shepherd, tells us that, that we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. But then, if you get down to chapter or verse 31, it picks up here. It says, again, His Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone Him. But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. From which of these do you stone me? So Jesus is going around and he's doing some great things. He's healing people. He's loving people. He's setting the demonic free. Those who are demon possessed, he's setting them free. Jesus is doing some amazing things. But yet the Jewish leaders, the, the religious leaders, they hate him. And they're opposed to him. And they want to stone him. They want to kill him on the spot. And Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. Of which of these do you stone me for? And they say, we're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. You, a mere man, claim to be God. And listen to what Jesus said. And Jesus answered them, it is not written in your law, I say, you are God's. Where does he get this from? Jesus is quoting Psalm 82 here. Jesus is quoting Psalm 82 in verse 6 when, 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 when God told these other gods, you say that you are gods. 
I'm the most high. Jesus is quoting Psalm 82. Do you know who believed Psalm 82? Jesus. Do you think Jesus is referring to mere religious leaders? Because if he, look what he also says. It says verse 35, if he called them gods to whom the word God came and the scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart at his very own and sent them into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? In Psalm 82, it talks about that they were the sons of the Most High. Do you know who believed Psalm 82? Jesus. Do you know who believed Psalm 82? Jesus. He did not believe that they were talking about just the nation's rulers that did bad things. He believed that his God, his Father, sits among this divine council, this congregation, this assembly, and he rules over every single thing, including the entities that the Bible says are God's. Now this is uncomfortable. We don't like this talk. But I want, to, I want you to see something here. That this is the world that the Bible tells us about. This is the world that the Bible is written in. A world that understood that there was a battle between the heavens and the earth. There's a battle between God and the opponents of God. Where did these opponents come from? They are people that are against the Lord. That's why the Bible says when Adam and Eve, when, when Eve ate from the tree and they broke God's command not to, that's when the Bible cursed the serpent and said, listen, there's going to be enmity. There's going to be hostility. You are always going to be opposed between her children and your children. Between her seed and your seed. There is a spiritual war that has been happening ever since the Garden of Eden. Now in order for us to, to understand this, we must read Scripture and believe what it is telling us. And when we come to passages like Psalm 82, where it talks about God sitting amongst the other gods, we run away from those things because we don't want to believe it. It makes us uncomfortable. And yet Jesus is quoting this very same passage. Why? Because he believed the words of Moses. He believed them. Can we believe the Bible? So many times we run away from passages like this because it's uncomfortable. But I'll tell you, if you learn to embrace the Word of God, you're going to find out that the world comes alive because God is moving in this place. I told you about the story of the Bible last week and how that the highest we can go is the atmosphere. According to the Bible, we can't go past the first heaven. The first heaven is what we would call the atmosphere. The second heaven, the Bible says that he placed the sun, moon, and the stars inside this thing called the firmament. That's the second heaven. And then the third heaven is where God lives. That's his abode. And, of, and between God's home and the firmament is water. Now listen, I am not interpreting the Bible. I am repeating the Bible. 
The Bible tells us a very specific creation story that we have earth, we have our atmosphere. And why do we know it's our atmosphere? Because that's where the birds fly. The birds fly. You don't see any birds orbiting the sun. It's just here on earth. All right? The only bird I want to see orbiting is usually over a grill, rotisserie, right? I mean, but we don't see that. We know that it's the atmosphere. And above the atmosphere is what the Bible refers to as the firmament. Do you know what the word firmament means? According to Hebrew Bible, according to the Hebrew language. Now, this, you can look this up. There's, there's great resources online, like the Blue Letter Bible or Bible Hub. You can just type in Bible lexicon. I'm not making these words up. I'm not telling you some, some skewed version of some word that's from the third century that some church father believed fit this context. I'm telling you words that if you just look them up, you're going to find out that this word means what? It means this solid barrier. That the firmament is described in the Bible as the solid barrier between our atmosphere and heaven. And above that solid barrier is a thing called water. I'm not making this up. This is what the Bible says. You know, sometimes, sometimes people say, well, that's your interpretation. Listen, I'm not interpreting anything. I'm just laying scripture out. I'm not making scripture fit what I wanted to say. Because here's the thing. If Jesus was willing to believe the psalmist, if Jesus was willing to believe the psalmist who wrote this very obscure God sits amongst the other gods passage, how much more does Jesus put credibility in the words of Moses? Matter of fact, Jesus even says that if you would believe the words of Moses, you would believe me. He wrote about me. Let me tell you something. When we start doubting Scripture, we are doubting what God said. This happened to Moses. Moses was being challenged by his brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam. They came up before him and says, Who are you? Are you the only one who can hear from God? Are you the only one that hears God? And, and, and the Bible says they challenged him. And they were upset because he married a Cushite. But they challenged his authority and says, Are you the only one who can hear? And so the Lord, the Bible says he was mad. God was mad and says, okay, you bring them. And they brought them to the tent. And God, the Bible says that the Lord was right there in the tent. And he says, listen, I don't speak to Moses like I speak to other people. With prophets, I give them dreams and visions. But with this guy, with Moses, I speak face to face, clearly without riddles. How dare you? How dare you? And the Bible says the Lord was hot. He was mad. And he goes away and Miriam is covered with leprosy. Why? Because they doubted Moses and what he heard. He doubted him. They doubted him. And Moses had to cry out to the Lord and say, God, please save my sister. And now, you start reading the Genesis story and you start hearing about this firmament and you're like, whoa, I don't know. That, they just didn't know. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to doubt what Moses wrote. I don't want the Lord coming down and says, Pete, how dare you? How dare you? I, listen, you have to guess what I say. This guy I spoke with face to face. Do you know who believed Moses? Jesus. Do you think Jesus thought Moses, what he wrote was true? Do you think what Jesus thought was true when he wrote about when Moses wrote about the Genesis story? Do you think Jesus 
Because we know that Jesus was there in the beginning of creation. We know this. Do you think that Jesus thought, oh, Moses, Moses, Moses. I'm glad you wrote Genesis 1, but don't worry. I'm going to anoint this guy named Copernicus, and he's going to tell you, he's going to tell the whole world how it was wrong. Don't worry, Moses. I'm glad you did it, Moses. Good job. No, Jesus believed the words of Moses. So the Bible says that there is this firmament, this solid barrier between heaven and earth. And inside of that barrier is the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, people laugh at me. People think I'm crazy. I had a, a good friend that told me, he says, Pete, I, I used to believe every word you said. I thought you were one of the smartest guys I ever met, and now I just don't know. Why? Because I decided to believe the Bible. I just decided to believe his word. And you know what his word tells me? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. On day one, he made light. On day two, he created the firmament. And he put water above and water below. On day three, he caused the land to appear and the sea to form. And, and in one day, he caused the plants and the trees that had seeds in it to bear. And on day four, he decided to make the sun, the moon, and the stars. Well, wait a minute. How can we have night and day for three days without the sun and moon? Because God already provided light on the first day. So, so what do we do with that? I'll tell you what scholars, now this is what I have studied for the last three years of what people say about Genesis 1. And you know what they tell us? That the sun and the moon and the stars actually God created on day one, but he hid them with clouds. This is what, this is what scholars tell us. This is what people tell us. Why? Because see, they know how the world works. But what does the Bible tell us? That it was on day four he created the sun, moon, and stars. Never said anything about clouds. Never said anything about hiding those things. But you know what? People get upset and people laugh at you and people think you're crazy. Why? Because you just believe the Bible. Why am I saying this? Because I want to challenge you to believe God's word. I want to challenge you to believe the words written. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said that if you ask anything in my name, anything, and some, and some, sometimes the, the gospel writer says, ask anything that you wish, it'll be done. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said that you guys in Fairmont, in these pews, will do even greater things than me. You know what Jesus said? That I am coming again and I will be with you to the end of the age. Every step of the way, I will be with you. Jesus said these things. But do you believe it? Do you hold on to it? I, I used to tell our kids, in, well, I used to tell my youth group this when I was a youth pastor. I used to tell them this. The way you love your brothers and sisters is the way you love Jesus. And they hated that when I said that. The way you love your brother and sister is the way you love Jesus. Why? Because Jesus told us to treat others with kindness. And so how can I just treat my brother and sister horribly and then come to church and say, I love you, Jesus? No. The way you treat others, the way you treat your brothers and sisters, they hated that. 
Why do I say that? Because if you can't trust the first story in the Bible, how can you trust the rest? If you can't trust the first story, how can you trust the rest? And so this is what I did. I decided I was going to trust God's word. I decided I was going to believe, and I started reading Genesis 1. And I started to realize something, that what God said and what man says is completely opposite. And I decided to believe in God's word. And you know what has happened as a result of me putting all of my faith, and I mean it, I put all of my trust, all of my faith. I'm going to believe everything it says, even Psalm 82, even the crazy stuff in the Bible. I'm going to believe it word for word. Why? Because I do trust God. You know what has happened since then? All Everything around us has fallen apart. Everything around us has gotten harder. But I know. But I know. Because my God is the one who created the sun, the moon, and the stars. My God is the one who redeemed me through his son. And my God is the one who sent the Savior to die for me so that I can be, get this, not born of human descent, but born of God. You see, you are not born of human descent. You are not here because your mother or your father. You are here today as a Christian and you are a child of God, and don't you dare think that God does not love his kids. Because of Jesus Christ, you are now a child of God. And I'll tell you this, that when my kids call me and they're hurting, I hurt. When my kids call me and they need something, I want to be there. Because that's what I know as a father. As a human father, I know this. How much more does your father up in heaven saying, listen, I will move heaven and earth for you. You just got to hold on. And you got to trust me. You got to believe me. I didn't get to this point in my life not believing his word. I got to this point in my life over these last three years where everything has gotten harder. Because I chose to believe his word. That's it. And you know why? Because Jesus believed it. <laughs> he believed what Moses wrote. And Moses believed what he wrote. Why? Because the Lord spoke to him face to face. So this morning, what do you believe? 